Secretary Kerry, you told Senator Lee that this was not a treaty because we don't have diplomatic relations with, with Iran. I would note that is directly contrary to the testimony you gave yesterday to the House. No, when you were asked, when you were asked, why is this not considered a treaty? And I will read your answer verbatim. Well, Senator, Congressman, I, I spent I, I quite I a know. few years. Sir, let me ask, You're ask the question. You're not reading my whole answer because well, I Congressman, also said I, what I just said. And then they tries to backtrack. Bottom line is we're getting uh, all these crazy answers when it comes to basic questions like treaty or not a treaty. Are you passing it a certain way uh, in order to get it passed and circumvent? Joining us now, Alan Dershowitz. He has a brand new book, published e-book out called The Case Against the Deal with Iran. How can we stop Iran from getting nukes. Alan Dershowitz, uh, best-selling author, uh, outstanding uh, uh, legal mind. Welcome back. Well, thanks. You know, I wrote this book in two weeks. I'm on Martha's Vineyard. I was supposed to be on vacation. When I heard about the deal, I stayed off the beach for two weeks, and I wrote this book from beginning to end, and, uh, and it includes some things I had written in the past. But it makes a very strong case against the deal. Look, I voted for Obama twice. I'm a friend of John Kerry's. I've known him since he was a kid lawyer. Um, I vote Democrat, and I am strongly opposed to this deal because, first of all, we don't know what it is. Is this a deal to stop Iran from getting nuclear weapons, or is it a deal to give them nuclear weapons in 8, 10, 12, 13 years? We're hearing it out of both sides of their mouths. The deal itself starts by saying Iran reaffirms its commitment never under any circumstances to try to develop nuclear weapons. And yet we're not hearing that quoted because I think the president thinks that's just uh, oratory, just words. It's not binding. And what I want is for Congress to pass a law quoting those words, those very words of the deal, saying they are now American policy. And we authorize the President of the United States to take whatever action is necessary to make sure that policy is maintained. Today, eight years from now, 12 years from now, 15 years from now, forever, Iran should never, under any circumstances, be allowed to develop nuclear weapons. And this deal allows them to do it after a certain number of years. I think what bothers me most, uh, Professor, Mm -hmm. is the fact that the sanctions are going to be released, their economy is yeah. going to benefit from it, and they're going to use that money to further their causes. And they're not humanitarian causes. There are Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthi rebels, and the Assad government. That's just off the top of my head. How no, does that right. help world peace? Well, it doesn't. This is a win-win-win for Iran. Sanctions are now gone. The military options off the table, and they get to get the bomb in 8, 10, 12, 15 years. What do we get out of this deal? We get a legacy, maybe a Nobel Peace Prize, but we don't get anything material. All we get is postponement and containment. President Obama promised the electorate, and he promised me sitting in the Oval Office, look me in the eye. And, and he, his promise to the public was we will not talk about containment, we'll not talk about postponement. Our goal is prevention making sure Iran never gets nuclear weapons. This deal was a change of policy. The president never told us he was changing policy. The administration is speaking out of both sides of its mouth on this deal, and uh, it's not going to be a good deal for America. Congress can salvage it if they pass this statute, adopting the preface of the deal as American policy and committing the president to take whatever action is necessary to stop Iran from ever getting the bomb. So but wait a at, second. As of now, right. it's a bad deal. But but do you believe that it's effective? It's effective for us to change a nuclear agreement that's already been signed off by other world powers. That's the great part about this proposal. It doesn't change a word. It simply quotes from the deal itself. Okay. The deal itself says Iran reaffirms 
its commitment never under any circumstances to seek to develop nuclear weapons. We take them at their word. We simply reaffirm through an act of Congress that that's the policy of the United States. Never, ever under any circumstances. Remember, the president doesn't get to make policy. The president is part of a tripartite system of governance. Congress makes the law. And the president, by circumventing the treaty constitutional provision requiring a two-thirds of the Senate vote, or at least the other provision that, that uh, has been practiced over the years now to have executive legislative agreement. The president negotiates it. Congress then approves it by a majority vote. But he says, no, this is going to be approved unless Congress can get two-thirds plus one in each house, which is going to be a very, very difficult thing to do. And then the president and the secretary of state tell us, if Congress doesn't affirm this deal, it will even be worse. In other words, we have a choice between bad, worse, worsest, and absolutely unacceptable. Where is the good choice? Why did we, as a superpower, negotiate from a position of weakness? Why did we take the military option off the table? Why didn't we tell the Iranians on day one, look, you're never going to get the bomb. If you try to, we will bomb you. You will never get the bomb. That's the constant. Now that you know you'll never get the bomb, why are you suffering sanctions? We can help you with the sanctions. What you have to do is completely give up your program. You have to allow 24-7 nuclear inspections. We would have had them on their knees. Instead, we play checkers with the people who invented chess and their Ayatollah checkmated our president tragically. And we should also say, too, that those strict sanctions came from Congress, did not come from the Oval Office. In fact, they fought against it. I want to bring you a cut from President Obama's conference call yesterday with his supporters. Mm -hmm. Cut 39. You will hear that uh, the inspectors may not get in there fast enough to catch them cheating, except the way this thing is set up, uh, we have the power to override any objections that Iran may have about access to any sites, declared or undeclared. And if they did not cooperate, once again, we're in a position to put sanctions back in place. So the bottom line is, is that during the duration of this agreement, it is extraordinarily difficult for Iran to cheat. We will almost certainly catch them quickly. If we're willing to wait the 24 days, and we, have, we also have to know that Americans cannot be on any of these inspections because we don't have diplomatic relations to them. That's something we just found out. Well, the, the other thing is the president is not being straight with the American people about that. We don't get the right just to go in there, and then if, if they object, they have the right to go to a five-person board. Uh, that takes 12 days and then another five days. And in the meantime, they're moving around the nuclear material. We know that they have the ability to move this stuff. Um, some of it may be traceable, some of it not. But we're opening ourselves up to a can of worms. The inspection regime, we admit that the inspection regime is not what we asked for. They bargained us into a situation where they won on the inspection regime. We didn't. We lost. We gave that up. And I think the secretary has said, and others have said, look, this isn't a perfect deal from our point of view. We had to give up some things. No. When you're a superpower, you don't have to give up anything. You don't have to negotiate from weakness. We have the ability to bomb their nuclear program. They don't have the ability to do anything major in return. And Taking the military option off the table before we began to negotiate was a terrible mistake. Negotiation 1.1 is you don't give up your power in a negotiation. Even Tom Friedman, who supports the deal, said we allowed them to negotiate as equals. They were, quote, too equal. 
how do you negotiate as equals with a regime like this, which is sworn to destroy the great Satan, the United States, and the little Satan, Israel? Robson Johnny, who's supposed to be the moderate, said some years ago that if they get the bomb and bomb Israel, they'll kill five million Jews and destroy the nation state of the Jewish people forever. Israel will retaliate and drop a bomb on Tehran, kill 20 million Muslims, but the trade-off would be worth it because there are so many more Muslims in the world, a billion, and so many fewer Jews. How do you expect Israel to sit and take that kind of rhetoric? You know, they heard it once before from a man named Adolf Hitler, and too many people ignored it. And I don't think the nation state of the Jewish people is going to sit idly by. They're not parties to this deal. They're not bound by it. They're not obliged to it. They're entitled under the rules of self-defense and preemptive self-defense to take actions necessary to protect their own people. When I was sitting in the Oval Office of the president, I said to him one day, When? Uh, this was a, p- a few years ago, before his second election. Uh, I said, would you ever outsource the defense of the United States of America to another country? He said, of course not. And I said, would you expect Israel to outsource its defense to the United States? He says, no, Israel has to do what it has to do. And, uh, and I would hope the United States would support Israel if it felt that it had to defend itself by preventing Iran from developing nuclear weapons. I hope it doesn't come to that. This deal makes that more likely rather than less likely. This deal makes war more likely rather than less likely. That's why I'm so opposed to it as a liberal Democrat. I'm not a Republican who supported the war in Iraq. I oppose the war in Iraq. But I oppose this deal because I think it's going to make more war more likely. Well, I think that's interesting. I, I will say this. I think it's a, a wrong argument and it's a distraction to say, well, what do you guys want, war? You want war? You really want after Iraq? Do you really think that's a... Uh, a judicious way to approach this. That's not the argument. We have to hearken back to 2009 when the people rose up off a corrupt election and they, they looked out for some help, some support, even if it was verbal and diplomatic and, and moral. We gave them nothing in 2009. Their economy is rocked and was even more taxed here in 2014. Instead, we gave them talks and we gave, them, uh, gave their, uh, their nuclear program legitimacy. Right. And now we're going to give them, you know, $100 billion. And we know how they're going to spend it. The president acknowledged that this is going to make it more likely that the money will go to Hezbollah, Hamas, and other terrorist groups. And remember, Hezbollah is the group that murdered American Marines in Lebanon. They don't distinguish between Americans and Israelis. They don't distinguish between Christians and Jews. Uh, they don't even distinguish between Muslims if they're the wrong stripe of Islam. They are killers, and they will be given many, many more weapons with which to kill under this deal because we have no constraints on how they spend their $150 billion. Lastly, you brought up this analogy. Governor Huckabee referenced it directly. Listen. Uh, This president's foreign policy is the most feckless uh, in American history. Uh, He's so naive he would trust the Iranians, and he would take the Israelis and basically march them to the door of the oven. Do you well, feel that that was over the top? Well, I, my own view is that no, no Jew is ever going to be marched to the ovens again. No Israelis can ever be marched to the oven. The difference between the 1930s and 40s and now is Israel has one of the most powerful armies in the world. It has its own nuclear weapons. It will never be marched to uh, the ovens or the gas chambers. They will fight back. And the question is how to reduce the need to fight back, how to make sure that we don't have war. I'm basically a dove on these issues. But as George Washington said in his inaugural address, the best way to assure peace is to make sure that our enemies know we're ready for war. And that's what America didn't do. It took the military option off the table. It told Iran you can negotiate from uh, a point of equality. In my book, 
the case against the Iran deal, I document, uh, have a chart of everything the president said during his first term, during the beginning of his second term, and after the midterm elections, showing how he changed his policy and communicated to the Iranians how uh, the military option was off the table. I also go through the deal paragraph by paragraph, and I have annotations on the deal to show what the problems are. And I don't know if the president's read the deal, but if the president says that we have the right to inspect uh, all the time, he just hasn't read the deal because the deal sets out a whole procedure which we're not involved in. And we don't know if there are any side deals now between the Iranian government and those that will do the inspecting. So this is a pig and a poke we're being asked to buy. And I think every American has to read the deal. Every congressman, senator has to read the deal. Uh, I hope they'll read my book, and I hope Congress will think about adding this proposal. If they, if, if they do accept the deal, at least legislating, that we understand the deal to mean a commitment from Iran that they will never, ever, under any circumstances, develop nuclear weapons. And if they do, the president is now authorized to take whatever military action is necessary to prevent that from happening. Congress ought to pass that now, and that would bind future presidents, whereas this deal doesn't bind anybody except this administration. Uh, he's a Democrat. Uh, he voted for President Obama twice, and he couldn't be more against what President Obama might call one of the big, uh, his big legacy achievements. He wrote the book the ebook, The Case Against the Deal with Iran, How Can We Stop or How We Can Stop Iran from Getting Nukes. Alan Dershowitz, thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Professor Alan Dershowitz, shot out of a Canada this morning, was able to specifically get into why that deal is so bad. Now you get it. Back in a moment with nothing but your calls, 1-866-408-7669. This is Kill Mead and Friends. <laughs> 